Do the, get the baby to do the magic hand thing. <laughs> he just waves at him. Uh. Hello and welcome to the Umcast. My name is Dom. That's one half of the Umcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. So this week, to celebrate Star Wars Day on May the 4th, we're going to talk about the first live-action Star Wars TV show, The Mandalorian, now available on Disney+. Plus. Yes. 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 So this show's fucking brilliant. Yeah. So this is yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> finally now available in the UK um, in its entirety. It's taken a while to get to that point because mm-hmm. um, Disney Plus didn't come out for a long time. And then for some reason, they decided to put each episode out every week even though it had already been done in the States. Um, apparently, yeah, that's their decision. However. Yeah, well, it's their new model, isn't it, I guess? Exactly, yeah. And I, I suppose because of all these streaming services, it's about like keeping content, new content coming out continuously so people don't just watch exactly. what they want to watch and then, turn, and then turn their subscription off. So I get yeah. it. Yeah, also um, because it's like engaging like day one people as well. So yeah. It's making sure that whomever's going to be signing up isn't signing up for seven days and then bidding it off like my brother did yeah. in Canada. So, Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we're obviously, we on this podcast, we've never done a TV show before, so it's going to be an interesting no. way of doing it. Um, but this, is, this does feel, and it has the feel of a sort of just a long movie, like a sort of seven-hour, six-hour movie. Yeah, um, it's definitely like, I mean... It does and it doesn't. Parts of it mm. definitely do. Yeah, there are like times... The overarching storyline definitely does, but there are a few that sway it from the... Yeah. Uh, from the path, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I think it's... So there's a bit sort of the midsection. So there are eight episodes, and uh, so I was thinking about it, having just rewatched it this week. Yeah. Um, pretty much did the whole of series one um, in the, you know, this week. And basically, if you, you can break it down into three acts, and it's essentially episodes one to three are like establishing the world, establishing the story, and then and they're all continue they flow on from one another as all telling one story. And then episodes yeah. four, five, and six are like individual like bottle episodes, like episodic TV, mm-hmm. just while he like the Mandalorian is out on the run, and then the like third arc, Mandalorian and around, yeah, just just Mandoing all over the place. Um, and then seven and eight is everything coming back to that original story and wrapping everything up and basically and sort of putting yeah. a, a, a bit of finality on it and setting up what's to come later on. Um, so yeah, on that basis, it is like a three act structure, like a movie, but just done over a much a longer period of time. Um, and it means they can have like guest stars and just individual you know things happening episodes, and some of them then come back later on. Some of them are just one and done, um, but. There isn't a bad episode, is there? I mean, it, it's all great. It's all really good. Yeah. I mean, they're, like, the some, some, you know, some are better than others. Yeah. There are definitely better ones and weaker ones. And there are some where I was a bit like, there was a, there's like the overarching story here is what I wanted to get to. And we've got a standalone bottle episode. Yeah. Which was, which was good, but felt a little bit out of place. Yeah, I know it's it's a bit weird with the with the bottle episodes because like I think they're all three of them individually good, but they are the weaker section of it. Because like you say, we're used to like serialized storytelling where we used to stuff like Game of Thrones, where you know it's not episodic; it's the, uh, one long story and everything. You have to if you haven't seen last week, none of this makes any sense to you. Yeah, 
Whereas with Mando, you could you could watch one to three and then skip ahead to seven and eight if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, just, pretty much. That's like... the main story because so yeah, episodes. Basically, to get into the story a little bit, it essentially follows the main character is the Mandalorian, who or just Mando. He's called throughout the whole thing. Yeah. He's a guy who wears this armor, who's the Mandalorian armor, which we've seen characters like Boba Fett and Jango Fett wear in Star Wars films. And it's a really iconic look. Like you'll know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we start, we're following him. He's a bounty hunter. It's set after the original Star Wars trilogy. So it's about five years after Return of the Jedi, um, yeah. which is a bit like a time period they've not really explored in the films, um, which is interesting. Um, and we bet it starts out, you're just following him and him, him doing being a bounty hunter a bit basically and they sort of explore more about what being a bounty hunter actually involves mm-hmm. and the fact that there's a guild and then you get like tracking fobs and how you go about doing the whole thing so that's where you get at the very beginning of the episode the first episode yeah. and then there's a kind of a bit of a twist and i think everyone knows this by now but obviously baby yoda <laughs> yeah it's like the the icon that suits like su- surpassed any yeah. sort of expectation that was already there. Yeah, and, and like it's, it's interesting now, like going back and looking at the trailers and stuff and the way they were talking about it. No one said anything about Baby Yoda, and it's no, no. there's absolutely no mention of it. No, and they, now it's such a really clever bit of sort of a marketing decision again from Disney to then go, yeah, this is obviously going to be a big thing, but we're going to not say anything about it. So that at the end of that first episode, it was this big reveal, and you were like, oh shit, it's a Yoda. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing, and you're like, well, this species doesn't even have a name. There's like, no, that's why, there are, that's why there we are have two. to call him Baby Yoda. Yeah, that's why we have to call him Baby Yoda because, right, and and that confuses some people who who like, I just it's in the periphery. So like, people like again, I took, go back to like people like my brother who mm. hasn't seen it. Um, and I'm trying to sort of convince him, say, no, trust me, it's really good. And he's like, oh, it's not just for Star Wars fans. Well, no, no, no. He goes, but if it's Baby Yoda, then does that mean that it's set before everything else? I'm like, no, 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 because. He thinks when they say Baby Yoda, they mean literally it's yeah. Yoda as hey, a baby. baby Yoda. Like, no, he, his species is the same as Yoda's and he is a baby. Yeah. That's it. And so we, and we have no other way of talking about him other than like, so, it, you know, he's talked about as the child in the show. Um, yeah. But then us outside of it, everyone calls him Baby Yoda. Um, yeah, he's like the child or the kid. The kid or the asset or the, they've just got these yeah. definitive you know names for them and they do that with other characters as well like Werner Herzl's character never gets a name he's just the client yeah um and but that works well because especially in a series that's called the Mandalorian yeah absolutely yeah so um but that's basically the, so the thrust of the story then is that Mandalorian is sent after this kid and he's supposed to deliver it to the client who's an ex-imperial guy played by Werner Herzog um and he makes a different call, decides that because he's not, he doesn't know what they're going to do to this kid, decides to try and sort of liberate him and then goes on the run and everything spins out from there. Yeah. And then that, that like midsection and where they're just episodic, like not necessarily connected episodes are just him being out on the run with the kid um, mm-hmm. and having to move on from place to place. And like you say, although they are, they can be frustrating at times because of the fact they were doing them as a, week on week i really did like the individual episodes because it was just this is what i expected the star wars tv show to be yeah sort of thing. a week on week we go to a different planet meet a whole new group of people there's a situation and we have to figure out like i really like the um the first one of them is the one with uh cara dune um i've just forgotten her name gina carano yeah her character 
Um, and it's like the classic gunslinger comes into town and has to help the defenseless villagers against a, a load of bandits. Um, and it's like you've seen that done so many times, but it's really cool to see it in a Star Wars context. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say, was that it's one of those ones where you go, I've seen this before, but I've never yeah. seen this Star Warsified. I've never seen it where, oh, well, the biggest issue we've got here is they've got an ATST. How do a group of villagers with barely any weapons take down an ATST? Right, well, I've yeah. never seen that in a Western before. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, and um, like, also, like, ATSTs were rarely a threat. Mm. So... Yeah, exactly. And, like, and, and that's what's good about this, is that it's... Um, it's so scaled back in comparison to the films because of the fact that it's that TV show. But again, it fits the, the time period in which it's set because it's so set after Return of the Jedi and the Empire has fallen. But the, there are the remnants of the Empire and some of the, you know, their war machines and, their, and some of their, you know, um, battalions almost are still out there and they're still a threat. Yeah. They're not as big a threat as they were before, but to people on the ground who are just guys with a with a blaster is a threat it's do you know what i mean so it's a, it's yeah. like well exactly like because like, at the end of the whole thing it's not a fleet of star destroyers it's one tie fighter <laughs> yeah exactly like there are points when you're gonna go oh i can't no you no. couldn't like you couldn't no. I mean, it's, but that's the thing i mean you've never really thought about it like that because we've only ever seen star wars is always on such a big scale and everything's like thousands of tie fighters and x-wings and capital ships and, and all that sort of stuff or just like you know, loads of ATSDs running over a ridge, or ATATs even, and like everything's massive. And then you you bring it all the way back down again. It's like, what if you were trapped in a room, and there was a shitload of stormtroopers outside, and what, and they'd set up like a cannon? Yeah. What would you do? I was like, oh shit, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like taking it right down to like the grassroots level of Star Wars yeah. as well. Like it's taking it to the street where there are these like dirty fights being thrown down where people are just stabbing one another in the back, left, right and centre, and then they're changing their mind and doing this, and you've got to find the people you can trust, but you can't, you can't turn this way because this person used to be a rebel, and you can't turn this way because this person still is technically an Imperial, even though, like, because we, we've sort of buried it a bit, but, like, this is post-Jedi, so the Empire is dead, really. Like, there are a few, yeah. like, loyalists who are, like, holding out and trying to do what they can. Yeah. But by and I mean, large, like the empire is gone. Yeah, I mean that's that's again another sort of positive for those middle episodes is a case of like it's really good. They're really good for world building. Yeah, for you to understand, like particularly. So I really like the um, the prison break episode, um, which again is like a western. You could imagine like, well, we got a, a bad, you know, we got a, a team of people, mercenaries. We're going to break this guy out of this place. That could quite easily have been something in Red Dead, a, a mission on Red Dead Redemption where you have to go and rescue someone from a prison train. Yeah, it's exactly the same format, just in space, <laughs> just in Star Wars. Yeah, um, but that was one. Of, honestly, that was one of the ones that, um, like, I didn't really care for. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's it's only because they did such a good job with like the overall story yeah. that when that one came along, I was a bit like, this, yeah, this has point, nothing yeah. to do with any of anything else here. And it's, no, it's, it's yeah, not to say that it was a bad thing. I was just saying it's like it was for me. It was like the the least the least appealing one for me, or the, yeah. the one that I I do remember because it had some fun bits in it. 
Yeah. And oh, like, hey, it's Bill Burr, and hey, it's Richard Aoadi, and hey, it's Clancy Brown. It's good, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, here's a hallway, here's a green screen, here's an office. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was kind of that sort of moment for me where I was a bit like, okay, like, and that was cool, but yeah, it felt the weakest for me. Yeah, again, I don't know. Like, I mean... not to, like, for, for, but for a show to be as good as it is, like that. And that to be the weak episode, yeah, goes to show how sort of good the show is. Exactly, yeah. Because the, the thing with that one is, though, although it doesn't really sort of propel the story forward that much, mm. it's more like it's character and world building. Because like you find out more about the Mandalorian and his past, and the fact that like he's got, he had a past with this, the Twilight Girl, who I think, to be fair, she's one of the weakest in terms of performances. Yeah, she just sort of got my nerves, and it's Nymphadora Tonks from Harry Potter. Um, and she's just really overdoing it because they put this makeup on her and she seems to, she doesn't really understand what a Twilight is. I think she's just doing a lot of work with her teeth. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it felt but no, you're not, quite, you're not actually like a snake ham. lady. Yeah, you're not, you're not actually like a beast. You're just, they're just like, what, you're, you're really overdoing it. Um, yeah, it did but, feel a bit hammy on her, her side of things, but then yeah. so did like the Twilight guy as well. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. He was just, I don't know, he felt like something out of a budget sci fi TV show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that episode did give us, like, say, it, you can see the you know, Mando's got a past and all the rest of it, and then it also gave us this is what the New Republic is all about. Yeah. So it's like New Republic and the fact that they're the new authority in the in the galaxy, sort of thing, and they they call themselves the New Republic. They are a threat. They've got stuff set up. So like when the X wings turn up at the end. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. So it's like it's good to have a glimpse of oh, interestingly, why the story. That. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. Like you're like, right? So these guys are actually like policing the yeah, world. Yeah, it's not a completely lawless world, and like you can brush up against like when he because originally like the plan is, oh, we're going to go and rescue this guy, and they say it's like from a from another syndicate, and then he goes, it's not another syndicate. He's been arrested by the New Republic. I'm not. I'm not in for this. Like yeah. he's going, well, that they're the authority. They've got you know the the weaponry and all the rest of it. They're in charge. So we got to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, like, yeah, Cara Dune makes a similar point. It's like, well, she used to be a rebel. She was a rebel shock trooper. And she like, and she tells her story. She goes, I spent most of my time mopping up after Endor. Yeah. Um, and she was a drop, uh, drop trooper. Who just, they dropped them in, like, behind enemy lines and kicked ass. I'm like, I want to know more about that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a show that I want to see as absolutely. well as more Mando. Yeah, absolutely. More Mando and they, all the time. Well, that's the thing that, and there was something, a rumor like recently talking about there's a new female led series being developed. Yeah. For Disney Plus. And, and now I'm thinking, can we have a Cara Dune series? Because she's the converse. So I think my least favorite sort of side character, if you like, is probably the Twi'lek in, um, in Prison Episode. My favorite side character is Cara Dune. Yeah. She's fucking she's brilliant. Awesome, mate. She's brilliant. And Gina Cara does a great job. She's like, because she, she does, has these fight scenes and obviously, Gina Cara's background is that she was in WWE. Oh, no, UFC. she was a UFC, sorry, wasn't she? She's a yeah. UFC fighter. And so she does all her own stunts and you can tell she's doing all her own stunts, but she's also like really charismatic and like a really, just a good actress mm-hmm. and, just, and just like fun to be around. Um, yeah. yeah but that's, so she, and that's the thing. Like she's had a, like a couple of properties that have been like, um, <clears throat> like she's been in a couple of bits here and there, but also she was... Um, in a, was it a Soderbergh film? Well, um, Haywire. Haywire. That was yeah. like a Soderbergh film that was built and written around Gina Carano and had like yeah. Fassbender and Ewan McGregor 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this mad film that just didn't go anywhere. Like Channing Tatum was in it, and it was all about her showing off her performances. It was almost like a um, it's a show like a showreel for her. But yeah. it was fucking brilliant. I mean, it didn't really do 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 much for her, but it was still good fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was seeing her is brilliant. Like I've always yeah. been a fan of her, as I've sort of said to you, like Gina Carano. Like keep bringing her up for different things. Like, I really wanted her for Wonder Woman. Mm. Um, because she looks like an Amazon and she can fight and she can like do all the stunts as well. And she looks like an absolute boss when she's doing it. But yeah, I mean, they got Gal Gadot, which is fine. Who was pretty good anyway, but still Gina Carano is always going to be like my first, like, you know, when you say, when you get like those things in your head and you're like, that's who that is now. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be her for Wonder Woman for me. We'll, we'll get her. We'll something for X Men. Give her, give her an X Men character. Yeah, no, get her. Um, oh God, I don't know. Like, yeah, just trying to think who she could be. I mean, I would have liked her for Captain Marvel. I would have liked her for yeah anything really. I just, I think she's fucking brilliant. And the fact that she was in this and did such a good sort of show of things as well. Like, mm. yeah, because it's. <laughs> Like there's there's a specific scene and I think it's in s- episode seven, yeah. Which I won't go into too much detail, but there's a scene where she's getting force choked. Yes. And what you can do, and like oh, when you see a lot of people being force choked, they're like really hamming it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But grabbing the see, throat and yeah. yeah. But like Corano obviously has been choked out in real life. Yeah. So she knows what it's like that it's not this desperately clutching at my throat and making all sorts of gagging noises. She knows that it's quiet and quite frightening. But yeah. she delivers that performance as well. Yeah. 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 And and she and she's got this that's the thing. That's what I like. I think she's a good like microcosm for the whole series because she's got these different shades of grey in her so like she sort of then goes she's not happy about Baby Yoda and like right that thing's fucking dangerous and she yeah. calls it that thing and she's got this like sort of standoffish nature and she's like I don't do the baby thing and like she's not they don't do like, the, the she's, it's not like they give it to her and then suddenly she's like maternal and like falling over it whereas yeah. the Mando is the opposite the Mando's like once he's a child and he has all these fatherly feelings towards it immediately um but then also, yeah, so she says, you know, I started off as a rebel soldier, but now if I was to go on to a new Republic ship, I'd be in trouble. He goes, but you're, you're a good guy. She goes, yeah, I've done a lot of things since then. Yeah. And it's like, I like, again, those shades of grey where, and they did like sort of touch on that and stuff in like, um, in Rogue One. Where yeah. it's like the good guys aren't just all good. Like they do some dark stuff in the service of a good thing, but they will do, they will do some dodgy stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like they're doing the, um, Cassian Andor show, yeah, yeah, and that's well. so hopefully that's going to be like that's because he's like part of this. What was it like the Black Ops sort of unit? What's it called? Um, Fulcrum. That's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he'll do, that. and they're already that they're ramping up on that. They've started casting. So have you seen like so Sten Skarsgård's going to be in it? Oh, nice. And um, they just they've got back the um, lady who played Mon Mothma for the, a few like she was the oh. one who played Mon Mothma in um, Rogue One. Yeah. So I like the idea of it being like oh it's going to be. Um, Star Wars James Bond with Mon Mothma as M. Brilliant. Like, yes, do that. <laughs> I'm so down Excellent. For that. That's fucking yeah. brilliant. Like, I didn't, I didn't realise it was that far along. Like, I knew that it was going to be a thing, but I didn't realise it was 
Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. They were due, they were due to start filming and stuff, but then because of the the situation now, I think it's probably been delayed. Yeah. Um, but season two of Mandalorian is wrapped, so that should still be coming. Oh, nice. Like, end of the year, we'll be getting that. Um, and that's Sick. really exciting, given what, how things left off here. Um, I think, yeah, just just one, one more thing to say about the Gina Carrera character, and I, it's kind of a bit of a spoiler, but it's something that I loved, and I loved how sort of throwaway it was, but how much meaning it has. And it's when, right at the very end of the series, we get um, Giancarlo Esposito's character turns up, Moff Gideon. And he yeah. basically lays out who everyone is, that he knows who everyone is. He knows who the Mando is. He knows who um, Kara is. And says, I mean, should we preface that with a spoiler tag, maybe? That's what, yeah, I say it's a bit of a spoiler. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So a bit of a spoiler, <laughs> if, you don't, if you haven't seen the series. But it's, it's such a, yeah, okay, maybe we push this for the back. But anyway, he just says, Cara Dune of Alderaan. Oh, sick! Did you did you know that? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I was uh, I had a phone call whilst the, whilst the last episode was on, so I was like, "Oh shit, I need to make sure I watch this because I've." I mean, this is the second time that I've seen the the, the last episode. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I wanted to make sure I was watching it, but I also wanted to make sure that we were on schedule to record. But yeah, I must have missed that bit, like. Because yeah, but that's and that's exactly my point basically is that it's such a throwaway little thing and yeah. it's literally just a case of because there's this thing that had happened in the previous one where he basically go he meets her in an, one of the sort of bottle episodes and then goes back to get her to help him out when he's like sort of resolving the story because he knows he can't do it on his own so they have this great opportunity to go back and like meet some of the characters that we've met along his journey get yeah. brought back in um and she's one of them and she's, he's trying to convince her and she's saying, why would I come and help you do this? I'm like, everything's fine. She goes, you can live free of worry. She goes, I'm already free of worry. Yeah. Um, and then he just goes, oh, no, it's not, it's not a warlord. He's imperial. And she goes, I'm in. And he goes, son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> um, and, he, and you go, oh, what? and then next episode, all he has to say is, ex-rebel you know, shock trooper, Caradun of Alderaan. Yeah. And it's never mentioned, no one talks about it, but it's one of those, if you're a Star Wars fan, you understand what that means. Yeah. And you understand, oh, fuck, no wonder she hates the Imperials. No wonder she's like, because it, it's like, you know, Alderaan was the Empire committed genocide. Well, it's, it's I, I can't think of a bigger word than genocide, but they obliterated the entire planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, so, it's not it, just millions of people that's billions like yeah. entire possibly entire races and cultures and culture. history like yeah, everything exactly, yeah. is gone yeah exactly so and it's just like and you, that's a really interesting point like they can sort of you know go for because it's like you know the allegory is always made by the, M, the empire in star wars that they're the nazis yeah and so it's almost you know it's equivalent to say you know it's like asking it like like the, it's almost like glorious bastards they're like we're, we're a bunch of um Alderaanian soldiers who wanted to get want to get back at the empire. Yeah, like do you know what I mean. Just yeah. we're, the, the one thing we all have in common. We we owe um, we owe each one of us owes you know Colonel Aldo Rain one hundred um, <laughs> stormtrooper helmets. Yeah, and each one of you is like your parents were murdered. You know, were were on Alderaan or you or something or yeah, you're from uh, of Alderaanian Alderaanian descent. Yeah, and this is your opportunity to get even. I'm like, I love. I think that's a really good idea i thought i really like that i thought it was good it's and like it's just, and it's, it is one of those throwaway lines but yeah 
basically that's what I mean. That's what's great about this series. It that, always it, adds extra depth, and that's what exactly. I really enjoy about this it's, because it's got time to breathe. Mm. It doesn't have to rush around and you know yeah, with it, without even, being silly. Like it doesn't have to put like a massive plot point in the opening crawl. No, but but no. they just yeah that's the thing they can throw away things like that and they're basically because this the guys behind this are basically it's Dave Filoni who is yeah. the guy who created and oversaw. Um, the Clone Wars TV show and Rebels, the animated shows, and um, John Favreau, yeah, and Dave Filoni in particular is like George Lucas's protege, yeah, and just knows Star Wars inside out and knows everything about it. And so he's what he's really great at doing is using like existing what we know to be you know the history of this you know the Star Wars world to inform the characters in his stories. So the old round thing's a great example of it. And again, same with. Um, Mando is you see glimpses of um, when you have these flashbacks about what happened to him when he was a kid. You see, and this is like in episode one, so this isn't yeah, really a spoiler. But this, but you see the droids as well. Yeah, exactly, the battle droids. And so we, again, we as the audience, are like, oh shit, that's the Clone Wars, and no, no wonder he hates droids so much. Yeah, and it, and then again, you're using something from uh, because we know there was this war that was fought, and the army that came to his town was full of droids because. At that point in history, this is what was going on in the universe, mm. and then that then informed. But it's not just a throwaway bit of like, yeah, because in lesser things, and, and Star Wars itself has been accused of this. It would just be a bit of fan service. It would just be, a, oh look, look at this droid that you guys will recognise. But he well, put that yeah. in there to service the character, to inform yeah. the character, and it's like that's that's proper fan service. That's like that's one of the things that I was going to actually get to and like, yeah, it's a little ahead of schedule, but that's one of the reasons that I'm so behind like Dave Filoni is because he's doing stuff like this. And when you hear him talk about star Wars and when you hear him, like he's, he's a star Wars guy. Oh yeah. And like through and through and through like mm. as many, many people are, but he is definitely the guy to have this sat on his shoulders. Because if you look at what he's done with Rebels and you look at what he did with the Clone Wars and you look at what he did with everything else that surrounded it and all the sort of the spin-offs and all of these other things, whilst not everything's going to be a like total hit, he gets how it all works. Like he's the sort of guy that's going to be saying, look, let's pull this in and let's pull in this creature into this show that wasn't that didn't exist in Star Wars outside of the Clone Wars. Yeah. So there's the um, oh, I can't remember what they're called, but the 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 creatures that him and Ugnaught ride, yeah, they were introduced in, in the Clone Wars. Yeah, they were in Clone Wars. You get a, a loft cat at one point, and yeah, has, like snarls at um, Baby Yoda, and that's a creature that was introduced in um, in Rebels. Um, yeah. Obviously, there are some bigger things like again, right at the very end of this, and we might do a proper spoiler tag to talk about it. I think we should. Um, yeah. But they're also just just anything to do with sort of Mandalorian culture, because that's really sort of properly gone into in the Clone Wars TV show and more so even in Rebels. And it's yeah. like that's like Dave Filoni's thing. That's his baby. It hasn't really been done in the live action in the TV in the movies. No. The and only that's, Mandalorians that's... we've seen have been these basically these fake Mandalorians of the, the Fets. Um yeah. and but he's defined it. Yeah, he's he's managed to pull that all together. He's managed to do this in such a way that it's it's become true to the characters and true to the lore and the story and the heritage. And it's one part that really impresses me is like you say, you, because the Fets aren't, or well, Boba Fett wasn't a Mandalorian, but he wore Mandalorian armor. Well, and that's another interesting thing that we learned about the Mandalorians and, and it's 
true as well is that they're not necessarily a Mandalorian doesn't necessarily have to be from the planet Mandalore. No, it's a creed. Yeah, and it's like it's and like they, a culture and a creed rather than it's, it, like, it's it, like being a Jedi. It's again, you, being a Jedi doesn't mean you're from a particular place. It just means you've sworn into yeah. this. Order well, that's of, the thing. Like we saw Jeddah in. Um, oh Rome yeah, one. yeah, that's true. And Jeddah is like uh, allegedly like the spiritual homeworld of the Jedi, mm. and that's like where Kyber crystals are mined and. Um, yeah. that's like one of the ways and the, there were temples there and that's been mentioned in like the expanded like modern lore and stuff as well uh, but yeah and that's the thing like having someone like Filoni behind this be the driver along with somebody like Favreau who understands how to take something and modernise it and make it as effective as it can be yeah, is really really strong and that's what I think allows this show to be as successful as it is because it's got this really solid foundation of people that really know and love and are really committed to star wars in yeah. this way like favreau is undoubtedly a disney guy now oh yeah yeah like, and you look at the fact that he's done jungle book and he's done yeah. lion king and he's done iron man one and two and he's done the mandalorian and he's got countless other sort of disney projects ahead of it yeah, uh, but he's doing it so effectively, and it's part of this modern model. Is it, it? It works so well. Yeah, that they don't have to rely on getting like. And I know this isn't a dig in any way, so don't at us or write at us or anything. But like, when you get somebody like Joss Whedon who's been brought into like Doctor, a broken film, mm. like it doesn't work in that way because they have a plan. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They've they've set out their roadmap and they go, right, it's not all going to happen right away. We're not going to be rushed into this, but this is what we're going to do. We yeah. might course correct, but we're not going to be pressured into changing. Yeah, and that's something <laughs> Star Wars generally needs to learn, I think. Um, because, yeah, talk about well, being pressured that, into changing That's what stuff. I mean. Like, and that's, that's what's interesting is that, like, how's this going to move from here? Is this going to be like... I don't know because we do have this like reactionary sort of situation, don't we? Yeah, I know it's it's odd. I mean, it, like we said, this series is, is great, and it was like it was really refreshing to have this come out or be, be talked about around the same time as Rise of Skywalker because we've you know we talked about that. Uh, you can go back to our podcast about that if you want. Um, but yeah. Rise of Rise of Skywalker, we I think we both found fairly disappointing. Is a mild way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, I think you disliked it more than I did. I just, I just found it very underwhelming, and I found yeah. it, I found that it was a disappointing way to end the Skywalker saga. And yeah. whilst I didn't hate it, I just, I don't know, I couldn't find it in my heart to love it the way that it did. Yeah, like other um, people have, or, or even how I felt about eight. So, um, but for me, it's like. Would it have been like I would have loved for having said what we just said about Filoni and Favreau? Wouldn't it have been great if Favreau had been tapped to direct episode nine? Yeah, he but may, I, may like, have been the but, one the, but that's but the thing. He like, but then he wouldn't have worked Mandalorian. Exactly. So it's one of those. Yeah, like Mandalorian may be the future of Star Wars. It's gonna it's gonna save it. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a time, you know, end of last year, where there was lots of loads of star wars content when we were sort of bombarded with we had the movie we had mandalorian we had 
uh, Fallen Order. And for me, the weakest of all of them by far was the movie. Like everything else they were putting out was great, but then the film was not. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the part of the problem for me is that it was one of those things where you go, the thing that should have been biggest was the weakest. And this thing that should have been weakest, well, in my opinion, like I like the game, but it's, you know, there were technical issues with it was what I had a problem with. And then the ending I had a problem with as well, but outside of that, it was pretty good. Yeah. You know, whereas with the film, like the film owed a lot more than the game did. The game came in with nothing and, impressed me and was like hey that's cool but it's nothing i'm ever going to go back and play again or write home about yeah sure but yeah but then something like the mandalorian which is this brand new project yeah just came out and just fucking blew everybody's mind like we we you know we've moved past um quite quickly but then you think of like we were saying about the soundtrack earlier on like ludwig garrington like yeah, oh yeah, and it just and really early on in the first episode, it establishes like that theme, and you're like, oh, this is really cool, and it, just, yeah. it manages to be both very Star Warsy and very much its own thing. Yeah. Um and yeah, that's that's wicked, and just like just the sort of the way they all the productions, so everything they went about, how they went about doing it. So like this, they, they used a combination of like really old school stuff. So like Baby Yoda, and we we do need to talk about Baby Yoda, but like from a practical point of view, Baby Yoda's a puppet. Yeah. It's not CGI because that for a start you couldn't have done that with CGI on a TV budget. It wouldn't have looked good. But also, he needs to be like there needs to be something tangible there, and they that's something they learned from the sequel films, and something they brought over. And they're like, no, we're gonna have a puppet. People can react to it and have a proper, and it's really there. And similarly, they they developed this thing that John Favreau talked about in when he did Jungle Book, is they got these massive all-encompassing like screens wraparound screens yeah and projected the like these digital backgrounds that they rendered in real time using like computer game engines like unreal three engines yeah and had the background so they're like the actors and they were filming essentially these giant led screens in the background that made it look like they were on a desert plane or they were in a canyon or they were or you know made it look like they're in the place they're in yeah and that's just so much better than just standing in front of a green screen Oh God. Yeah. It's so good as well because yeah. like when you look at it, I always, I don't know. I'm a bit, um, I don't know. When I see that sort of stuff, it always makes my heart drop a little bit. And I'm always like, Oh, you know, cause it takes me back to that moment when you hear about Ian McKellen on the set of the Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he just cried cause he's like, there's no one here. This isn't acting. This isn't yeah. what I want to do. I don't want to be doing this. And he just got really overwhelmed because he had no direction. He had no one to work off of. He had no one to sort of bounce off of and get any rhythm with. Yeah. But with this, it's different because they are, that everybody is in that one place and they are working together. Yeah. But you can have that jump of imagination to say, actually, we can see this. This is, this is where we are. Let's just get this. It's all around us. And yeah, so there isn't a great deal of like, stuff to work with but we are actors yeah but it's like so like one of the you know sets of things you think of so then like in that prison episode there's a whole when they're briefing when they're meeting and putting the team together they're in like a hangar bay yeah and like you get the sense that right well the the stuff in the foreground is just a set so they've got like workbenches and everyone's in costume and there's a ship in the background that's real but then expanding it out making it look like a much bigger set than it is Mm. it's got this screen in the background this is almost like a map painting but like on a massive scale 
and they can tweak and add elements. But like for the actors, like it's like we're in this room where I can see if over there that's the, the hole where the chips go out and that's space over there. Yeah. And like, they can just see it out of the corner of their eye and it would like just gives you a sense of space and it's a re- and just from a sort of cost saving point of view as well, it c- can make everything look that much more epic on a TV budget. Yeah. And I think it's gonna it's it's great that this show is like a combination of old school model building and, and puppets and like the most innovative cutting edge stuff. And this is the result is a amazing looking TV show. Yeah. And that's what was that? But I mean, we, you know, we talk about, um, uh, we talk about, um, TV budget, mm. but this is, this is, this isn't like a standard TV budget thing. This isn't, this no. isn't, this is because this is, this is the ship that launched Disney plus pretty much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But then, but, but, but what I like about it is that like say by using the technology in that way and so what they've done is they've they've saved money on having to build a giant set by using this wrap round screen. And what that means is the money they've saved on that they then can put into the talent both in front of the camera and behind the camera. So they've got all these amazing actors coming in, these like Gene Carlo Esposito, Werner Herzog, all these bit who've got you know probably fairly big price tags attached to them. And mm. not only that, also the directors. Because like people who directed this is people like you know Taika Waititi directed an episode. Yeah, and Favreau but then they're like they're in it as well, so that's where they're like making their savings. Yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> so um, like they've got Taika Waititi is like voicing the IG droid, and like Rick Famuyiwa uh, Fumiyawa is um, one of the pilots at the end of that bottle episode. Yeah, that's Prison that's more the, and, that's the thing. Like IG Eleven is, is a character, whereas the um, the pilots are like just a little cameo, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but still, it like it were you. That's still someone that you would have had to have paid to be there on the day. Yeah, true. So you would have had to... those three. I think it was yeah, Rick um, Fukuyama, um, Deborah Chow, and um, Dave Filoni were the three pilots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all those little things. But just like yeah, but, and like I say, because they've done that, it means they can have yeah, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. But also, so you think like without giving too much away. When you see the um, like the performances, like you've got yeah, you've got Werner Herzog in there, but he's gonna have been on set for what two days? Yeah, probably. If that, so yeah. they wouldn't have had to sort of like dump truck money. No, but at the same time, it would have been. It's like yeah, this is expensive, but what we're doing is we're paying for this guy to be here for two days. Yeah, and that's it. And like you do get the sense that like they could have probably saved as well because of the fact of um, Pedro Pascal, although he voices the Mandalorian, you, he definitely was not on set the entire time. In the <laughs> probably, like, it's, he was there for a good chunk of it, I'm sure. Um, but you don't need if your lead character is a man who wears a mask, you don't need to pay that particular actor to be there the whole time, do you? No, you don't. And that's the um, thing. So they could have done so many more pickups with, exactly. without him being in there in in the in the, in the suit. Or just there. Yeah. Um, and I love, I really love the fact that they were brave enough to not have him take it off for basically the whole thing. Um, yeah. You do get one, in the very final episode, he does take the mask off and for one brief moment. But even yeah. that I love, because it's um, not to give away like everything about the scenario, but it's just, he looks like a sack of shit. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like Pedro Pascal is a handsome man and he's the yeah. lead of this series so you think it would be some big like heroic 
like no more masks and then he'd take it off and look like it and like with the sun in behind him looking like an absolute badass but yeah. they don't do that they just they show that he's most vulnerable and he just and like yeah he looks fucked <laughs> he just yeah, looks absolutely, absolutely wrecked like when it happens and you go yeah and then and it's literally one little bit and then that's it and then he you know and then he puts the helmet back on doesn't take it off again yeah and I, will, I will say i was a little bit disappointed well the, the, i the, I really wanted them because like their previous like one thing that I did read before this like I tried to keep as little uh, knowledge of this as possible but um, one of the things that I did see and I was like great I'm really happy about this is they're like he's not going to take off his helmet and I'm like brilliant perfect Mandalorians don't take off their helmets that's like that's like a whole thing that's come from the expanded universe and all this other stuff that I've read and learned along the way but and then they did it and I was like, ah, balls. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was just a bit disappointed. I was just like, I don't know, like, I've got a weird thing about, like, that sort of stuff anyway. You know, I'm like, oh, I like bad guy win scenarios. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, like, my... I like the sort of interesting takes on things and doing things in, a, in, a, in an unusual way. Mm. And, like, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't do the, um, like, glossy wavy hair in the yeah, yeah. in the sun sort of scenario yeah i was but expecting to be um, like what's his character in game of thrones called oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the viper, viper. yeah viper. it would have been the, the mountain of the viper again but he's fighting getting you know, yeah but he's in he, mandalorian armor he, he knows how to do his old um head injuries didn't he yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's fucked, really. But but, how good was Game of Thrones back in the day? Fucking hell. <laughs> I stick with it, like, Game of Thrones. Oh, they fucked it. They absolutely biffed it, didn't they? Yeah. Um, anyway, we're not talking about that show. Um, <laughs> no, we're not. Weird to talk about Mando. Mando. I mean, what else did I say? I mean, yeah, like I said, I, my only disappointment, I like the fact that he kept the helmet on. Mm. Um, like, I like, like, it reminds me of stuff like um, really underrated film, Dread. Um, with yep. Carl Urban, where he never takes the mask off. The difference with that is you do get at least half his face. At least you see his, his mouth. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit more there. But he's, but I don't know what it is. Like, I think Pedro Pascal does a really great job in terms of, like, through his voice work, I guess, he emotes. Um, and there's a particular bit right in the final episode where he's saying something and someone calls him out for sounding sad. He's like, yeah, no, you are sad. I can tell by your voice. Yeah. Um, and he, he brings that across because he's just a really good actor. Um, but the one thing in terms of the character of the Mando that I was a little disappointed by is I wanted him to be a little bit more of a, not an anti-hero, but just have a little bit more of a moral gray area. Right. Because I thought that was, that was the, as it started, like the opening scene, he has his fight in a bar and he's like, and you know, he's, he goes up to his, um, the guy he's after and it's like, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And he's just a bit of a badass. You know, he's got an edge to him. But yep. then because of the Baby Yoda thing, they soften that. Right. And to a point, I think the, the point where I was like, I was disappointed was in that prison episode where it looks like, because he, he's with a band of people, not the, well, he's spoiled it because it's a bottle episode. They sort of betray him and he goes back after them. Yeah. Um, and that's also, really cool. Like four weeks ago. So catch yeah, up. I know. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a really like fucking badass scene where he like picks them off one by one. And like this yeah. is a really cool bit where he's like he's moving down the corridor and flashes of light going off and you can just see him getting closer and closer to this guy. Yeah. Um, and you feel like, oh yeah, he took them all out. And then at the very end of the episode, they just had this little tag where no, he didn't actually kill him. He just put him in a cell somewhere. Yeah. 
and they, and that just felt a little bit like too sort of kids cartoon a bit too soft for me yeah it did feel, I feel like Saturday morning. I think I feel like yeah you're an, you're a, you know you're a badass if they, if people need like or just let it be implied that you killed them and we don't have to you know, I'm not saying you have to show me the guy murdering them yeah just, I don't want to see I don't want to see a you know a steaming corpse but at the same time, time like Disney Plus I get it <laughs> like yeah and there are a lot of cutaways to like pretty savage endings yeah, and, stuff. and like, and now like they do like little um, sort of implied things. Like, like when he goes to Tatooine, he walks past. There's like a load of um, imperial helmets, and then just like on spikes. Yeah, and it's just like Jesus, what happened okay. here? But it's not. It's, just, it's implied like darkness and violence without actually showing yeah. anything. Um, because that's one thing I had going in. I was like, I want. We wanted this to be a bit more of have a bit more of an edge to it, be a bit more sort of Star Wars grown ups. But then they they've softened that with the whole baby Yoda thing and making it, you know, at the end of the day, it's still Disney. Yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, I don't know how much it softened it. I mean, cause it is like we're saying with like the, um, the episode where he recruits Cara Jean, mm. where he comes in, he's like, when they are fighting off like an ATST and they're doing this, that and the other, there are softer moments in there. And there are softer bits in there, but this is very much a sort of, you know, this guy's a lone wolf and now he's got a cub. Yeah. And that's what it is. But at the same time, it still works. Yeah. Yeah. True. And it's just like, we're not going to get like a game of Thrones, Star Wars. No. Unfortunately. No, no that's true. And that was never going to happen, was it? I guess, but that's just, it's one of those, I feel like, yeah, there are there were opportunities, and that that thing with the the crew that he did the prison job with was an opportunity to show that you know in service of whatever, or if, you know, much as he's softening and he's becoming a you know a bit of a father figure, if you cross him, he'll still kill you. Like that's yeah. what that's what I wanted. He'll still fuck you up because he's still you know a badass. But they like they backpedaled on that, which I thought yeah. was yeah. But then, but then again, like I say that. There was the the gunslinger episode where he he teams up with this sort of rookie um, bounty hunter. Yeah, he kills him. He kills him yeah, dead. He <laughs> like, yeah, he does because he he threatened Baby Yoda. You do not threaten Baby Yoda. No. And and one thing you definitely don't do, scout troopers, is punch Baby Yoda because then you'll get fucked. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Man. The scout yeah. troopers, and like that's the, I, I love. So it's, this is again, this is the um, finale episode. There's this whole extended sequence with these two scout troopers on these um, on their speeder bikes, and that I think is like the most obvious because there, there's loads of different directors in this, and they don't they all you know adapt their styles to fit wherever the story they're telling. But the one where it's really clear that oh, this is the episode the Tiger Wattie directed, isn't it? Yeah. Is that one? It's like because it chooses like the like um, Gideon, the um, Gene Carlo Esposito's character is like mid monologue, like being absolutely bad. And they go, "I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cut away to these two like <laughs> these two stormtroopers over here, yeah. just biffing like, about." Did you interrupt him? <laughs> and so like, oh no, they, he just killed a guy for interrupting. So I think you're going to be there for a while. He's ah oh, bloody hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, look, he's trying to make a point. I get that point. Do you get that point? Like, and then they start trying to shoot the um, like, the, like a can or something, and they both they keep missing because they're stormtroopers and they're shit. <laughs> I love that. That's another like, little line, isn't it? When like um, the uh, Bill Burr character, they are, oh, he was an imperial sharpshooter. He goes, that doesn't say much. Like, I wasn't a stormtrooper. Okay? 
again, just but, playing with that language so, of Star Wars. Isn't it? Exactly. It's, uh, and it's like, it's taking something, it's taking the awareness that people have had before mm. and taking that line where people are going, oh yeah, Star Wars, people are really bad shots. And it's going, yeah, like people recognize that. People, are, people know. People yeah. know that these guys are a bit rubbish. Yeah. And I was, um, but then they also managed to turn around and make something that seemed a bit rubbish cool. So, like um, the IG droid. Yeah. So, we had an IG 88 in the original, and it just, it always was a bit naff to me, like that design, because it is just like a stick, isn't it? It's just, it's well, just it's a big a, metal it's, pole. Isn't uh, it? It's, it's like part a, of a coffee machine, isn't it? Yeah. It's a coffee machine with a couple of arms attached to it. And it's just like, well, how is that? going to be like how is that work like and you're telling me it's a bounty hunter and it's going to like go toe so with all these guys lined up like Boba Fett and, that. and then yeah. they have a couple of action sequences like in the first episode and again in the last episode where you go oh no wait these things are fucking wicked because <laughs> they because every element of him can twist and turn yeah so he can just constantly be moving you know his arms around at 360 degrees so he can just take out an entire like squad of people in five seconds flat and yeah. it's like and okay he's... all right and like how cold he is as well and he's like yeah well, this is my directive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, and that's it's like plot, cold it? and logical and in, in not in a way that like Star Wars droids tend to be quite sassy. Yeah. So, And that's like, another thing they did that was really interesting. Again, world building is, so what happens with IG is that he gets reprogrammed. But mm. rather than just have it be a case of someone goes into his head, go, you know, reconnects a couple of wires and then he's a completely different thing. They actually do this like montage where they show how um nick nolte's character like reconditions him yeah like brings him back and he had, well he had to learn everything again it was like starting with a child so he could like he couldn't walk to start with and then he couldn't pick things up and then he couldn't do this and he goes he, he developed a personality based on his experiences and stuff and you like geez i never thought about it like that but yeah that's yeah. a really interesting point like these are sentient things so it's not just as simple as swapping a couple of the wires around no but again, like it goes to show this extra level of depth that they can do with TV eight hours yeah, and yeah. two and a half. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Nick Nolte's character is another one which um, just adds a whole loads of different layers of stuff. Yeah, he, he was brilliant. In, like we, I great. mean, we could literally go on all day. We could. About we could. I mean, talking for a while. I mean, because that's the issue with us talking about a. TV show as opposed to a movie, isn't it? Because there's just, yeah, there's so, so much more that we can do. True, but it's um, like the the direction. Like we normally talk about the direction, but it's difficult for us to sort of pin that down because there are eight different yeah. episodes that are all directed in like what five or six different ways. Yeah, but um, but like I said, I think there there are a couple of ones where you can tell who directed them. So I think there was the the final one is definitely Taika Waititi and that's you know, through the, um, particularly that opening scene with the um, Stormtroopers. And yeah. then the, one of the ones that was directed by Dave Filoni is that episode on Tatooine. And that is the one where I think it's most sort of fan service-y. Um, and that's all. And again, he knows his Star Wars. And there's yeah. always like little throwaway lines. Like, I don't know, take him to Beggar's Canyon or something. All these little lines like that being <laughs> yeah. thrown around. It's like, we well, you know what that means. Ah, yeah. he said it. He said the thing. Uh, he said that thing. You said the thing, uh, and then yeah, and like I know what you mean, but and that's what I mean is that sometimes, yeah, it is tricky, isn't it? Because there are going to be points where you go, yeah, this is this is a big fan servicey bit, but 
yeah. sometimes I like fan service. Yeah, no, like I say, like, like those things. Like, where where does the line between Easter egg and fan service? You know. Yeah, and like I say, my the, my favorite moments of fan service are the ones those that inform those the characters and they and the old around the thing we talked about earlier is that. But then there are also like little. They always they're always right in the context of whatever story he happens to be telling. So like if yeah, it makes sense that he would go to Tatooine because he's in the outer rim, he's on the run, he's looking for work. Yeah, it makes sense that he would. Is it as looking... egregious as um, R two and three PO in Rogue One? No, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. It's like yeah, that's is that all? Oh, yeah, exactly. None of none of it. You can't compare it to some of the like Rogue One, the R two and three PO, and then the bloody what's his name? Um, well, you know, I, I've got the Deptons on three systems. That guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Him. That, that's just that is agree- yeah exactly. That's egregious fan service. The stuff on Tatooine in the Mandalorian isn't. It's like it's there, and they're gonna they're gonna go right. If we we're gonna go to Tatooine, we've got to do this. There are certain things we've got to put in there. Yeah. We want to put in like uh, you know, got to have the sand people. We've got to go to, if we're going to Moss Eisley, we've got to go to the cantina. We've got, and, but it makes sense in, in that particular moment in the story for that to happen. So it's like, okay, fill your boots. Sort of yeah. Thing. Um, there's another thing we should probably talk about after the spoilers in, in terms of how that episode ends. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we should probably get into spoilers now because otherwise we'll be yeah. here all day, won't we? Like, Yeah, true. Um, so yeah, basically... If you're any sort of a Star Wars fan or just, yeah, it's a good TV show. And I would say that it's not just for Star Wars fans, much as we are both Star Wars fans. I feel like there's enough of a narrative and enough of a story to keep you engaged. Um, yeah. And I think you should definitely check it out. Even if you oh, didn't absolutely. like the most recent movie or anything like that, um, it's worth checking out, definitely. And it's a good, it's honestly, it's quite a good starting off point for different parts of Star Wars as well, because you are going to be able to sort of see this sort of gritty level before you start going into the grand spectacles. Yeah, and like the the um, the con- the the time in which it's set, although it adds extra flavour to it, and you understand that you know, like we've already said, because of the time that it, when it is, it means that the threat of the Empire isn't as great as it was once, but no. it is there. But it's still a yeah, exactly. But what it basically means is it doesn't really matter. Like if you if you were to show it to someone and then go, well, where's this taste place in the story? Like it doesn't. If you've never seen a Star Wars movie, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. It's fine. Like yeah, it's set in the outer rim. It's not about the you know the changing um, governments of the entire galaxy. It's not. It's not about that, all that. It's it's a contained story, mm. and you can quite easily watch it in isolation, having never seen Star Wars before. Um, yeah, you're not going to be completely perplexed if you no. go in blind because it's it's a sci-fi adventure yeah, that exactly. mentions a few bits here or there as any sci-fi adventure would yeah so it's successful in so much as it can stand on its own but if you are a devout star wars fan then it also supports that but yeah. also even if you're a cursory star wars fan it supports that as well you don't have to know depths and depths of lore it introduces that yeah. in its own way but we do know depths and depths of lore so let's get into it in the spoiler <laughs> section <laughs> yeah we got so, yeah, a lot thank- yeah, so go watch um, Mandalorian and then maybe come back. Spoilers, put spoiler tag in here. Spoiler alert! 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 I feel like there's stuff you want to ask me. Um, 
not tons really like i just want to know what i like like i i have a vague recollection so for other listeners um you know the section at the end with the dark saber the dark saber yeah like i know enough about star wars to know that there's a dark saber but yeah. i don't know what it's about i don't know where it's come from i don't know whose it is i don't know anything about that is this something that that's part of partly the reason that i'm sort of going in and watching the clone wars mm. because i want to get to that point where we are starting to see things that have started up in clone wars that are now being taken through into full uh extended universe sort of stuff yeah um yeah, so, so don't say that. The, like, yeah, I don't need anything sort of too prescriptive, but at the same time, like, um, so what? the dark saber is like this. Um, basically, it's like a symbol of man. Basically, because like, like I was saying before, Dave Filoni has had this ownership over the whole Mandalorian story, really, right? Um, because it's never been really explored on the in the movies. So where do you explore it in the TV shows? And so in Clone Wars, there's a big thing about what's going on with Mandalore during the Clone War. Okay. Um, and there are individual stories that happen within that. I won't spoil any of them. No, please. Don't. Um, it it involves not only the planet of Mandalore, but also big Star Wars characters like Obi Wan and Darth Maul. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. I, I would love to talk about it, but you need to watch it. Trust me. Um, and they also talk about stuff like the Siege of Mandalore, which is like the final Clone Wars arc, which is literally happening right now, and the final episode is going to be aired on. Monday, um, okay. us, and that is so they talk like this legendary the siege of Mandalore. We're seeing that now, yeah, and we're seeing what happened. But there's a little bit of a discrepancy going on at the moment because there's the siege of Mandalore in the Clone Wars, and then there's the one that um, is talked about with um, Moff Gideon talks about the Night of a Thousand Tears and when the, the Empire took over Mandalore, which we haven't seen yet. Okay. Um, but with the Dance Saber, basically the Dance Saber is like a symbol for mandalore that can unify all the houses of mandalore and like mandalore is like this sort of tribal almost game of thrones-esque okay um, and they've all got different their house ren and house this and house that but there was the one time when all of the houses of mandalore were united under this one guy who wielded the dark saber and the dark saber was made by a guy called something vizsla not previously because Pre- no, i think previsla is the guy who is in Clone Wars, and he's like his descendant. Uh, okay. the original Vizsla is like Old Republic, like thousands of years ago. Uh, okay. And he, was, he was the first and possibly only, I can't remember, um, Mandalorian Jedi. Oh, cool. And so he had, yeah, the Darksaber, um, and United the Houses of Mandalore. The Jedi Order stole back the Darksaber, um, and then the Mandalorians, and there's a whole story thing about it, but basically what it, it's been handed down from generation to generation it turns up in Clone Wars, it turns up again in Rebels. And basically the idea is that if you could wield the Darksaber, then you can unite Mandalore under one banner. Is the okay. idea. And there's, a, you know, there, it's shown up a lot. There's, at the moment, there exists a gap where we don't know how it goes from where it ends up in, at the end of Rebels to how Moff Gideon then ends up with it. Yeah. We don't know that. There's, so there's something more to be told a story more, you know, more of a story to be told, which is where this whole night of a thousand years when the, the, the Great Purge when they took over Mandalore. We haven't seen that yet, and that's something they could do through flashbacks and stuff in um, Mandalorian. Uh, um, okay. 
because that's past the point of the Clone Wars. That must be because Clone Wars obviously is still like Republic era. It's not the Empire isn't there yet. Yeah, um, and it wasn't in Rebels, so it must have to be something they're going to show us down the line. Um, but yeah, that's just one example of all the stuff. And like even like the so you get in that last episode, all the Mandalorians who come in and save um, Armando Din Din Jar and his name is um, when he's a child. But they're just—they're not just any Mandalorians. That's the Death Watch. Is who, it? Yeah, that's Death Watch. Who wear the blue armor? You can the blue armor and the signal—the signet on their shoulder—is indication of who they are. They're Death Watch. And okay. like, during the Clone Wars, Death Watch went through different leadership, and it's like, and then it's like causing questions like, oh well, who? What part of Death Watch was? You know, what time was this? Yeah. So th- that's interesting. And again, hopefully, something they're going to expand upon. Okay, it. yeah, that's really cool. Um, but it's all Dave Filoni building on his own stuff yeah. that he knows inside out. So he clearly has a very clear idea of what happened and what's going on, and they'll mm. reveal that a bit at a time. Because um, yeah, it know. seems to me like Dave, like I know this is going to sound a little bit sort of obtuse, but um, Dave Filoni seems to be this sort of in between guy who's not quite George Lucas, but he's not quite Ryan Johnson. Like, cause I, I appreciate like we've all, we can, we've banged on about it enough about um, the last Jedi and uh, stuff like that. But some of the changes in there were quite jarring and they are quite extreme for what some mainstream fans were able to accept. But at the same time, like a lot of the stuff that George did was very silly. Yeah. And, a lot of people had a hard time accepting it. So it does feel like Filoni's like a bit of an in-between of this, like a moderate version of both. Yeah. It's like he, like I've heard it said before by, you know, other you know podcasts and commentators that it's like Dave Filoni almost understands no Star Wars better than George does Yeah, at this point, because it's a point where George has got a very sort of singular, he knows what it is in his head. Whereas Filoni is more in touch with the fan base. Yeah, and he's more in touch with what people engage with, like from the like the expanded universe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so he knows what people want and he understands what makes Star Wars tick. And he like and like the Mandalorian is a great example of that. And the same with Clone Wars is that the things he draws inspiration from are the original source materials that inspired George. He goes back oh, yeah. to westerns and he goes back to you know samurai films and that informs all the stuff to do with all the Jedi lore and all that kind of, and all that. He goes back to the original drawing board. And that's where I feel like the sequel trilogy failed a little bit, is that instead of going back to those original like concepts, they just went back to the original trilogy and used that as a template. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they just said, let's make Star Wars, and then looked at Star Wars. And whereas Filoni, he thinks about it a bit more deeply than that. He goes back to, well, this was based, let's watch Seven Samurai, and let's watch... You know, let's read Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces and go back to the original, original stuff that inspired yeah. George in the first place and then apply that to new stories. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I think the guy's great. And honestly, and I know we won't talk about, about Clone Wars because it will spoil it, but like the, the most recent episode of Clone Wars that's just on, it is like, for a start, like the music, I remember I read someone else said the same thing. It sounds like something out of Blade Runner 2049. Really? Yeah, it's like this dark, ominous, foreboding, and it's like 
this is one of the most cinematic, dramatic shit I've ever seen in Star Wars, and it's a fucking cartoon for kids. I'm like, it's what? Like a f- 24 minute cartoon. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Honestly, I can't. I, I won't spoil it. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am slowly sort of plodding my way through, so yeah. um, avoiding spoilers is greatly appreciated. Yeah, but when you get you get to the Mandalorian arcs, um, yeah. I think there's. Like there's been a couple of at the stage I'm at, I'm, I think I'm at series, series three, season three. Okay. Um, so they've been like a couple of episodes on Mandalore. So have you met the Duchess with Obi Wan? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, because there, there's the episode where they're like poisoning kids in like mm. the equivalent of like poison Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, it's highly addictive. <laughs> Brondo. It's got what plants crave. <laughs> um but yeah um, um yeah I mean, but yeah I'm, i don't know i don't want to say too much else because i don't want to sort of bore everyone but at the same no, time sorry. Like, yeah, I, I, went, I went off on a bit of a tangent then i'll shut up that's good because like, that's the stuff that like people are going to be buying into like it's, it's yeah it's always good to know that extra sort of level of detail if it's going to draw people back into the canon but that's the thing that's where i feel because we talked about earlier about it being like lord of the ring uh, not lord of the rings game of thrones for star wars if they get deeper into that kind of law stuff, that's where we could end up. Yeah. But I feel like with season one, they were kind of, they were testing the formula. They were sort of testing what we wanted this show to be. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if now they've established the baby Yoda story, cause that's another thing we, I loved that we didn't really talk about is the way they talk about the Jedi and they, you finally get to it in the final episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she just goes, there was a, there was a, a race of sorcerers who use this power. They called themselves the Jedi. And it's like, this is really cool. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah from, an out, from another perspective, yeah. Because it's like, that's one of the things that's always been there in Star Wars. And it's something that, you know, Obi-Wan said is it, everything depends on your point of view. Yeah. And, you know, the Empire called the rebels terrorists. And, you know, for us, the Jedi weren't these noble, they were sorcerers who wielded a, a power we didn't understand. Yes, yeah. and, and again, that's a massive thing in the Mandalorian culture, and the fact that they, like, the reason the Mandalorian armor is the way it is, is because it was built to fight Jedi. There was a war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians, and everything, every trick they have, like using the cables to wrap a Jedi up so he can't move, all yeah. that kind of stuff, they did that to fight Jedi. And the fact they use jetpacks to get away from a Jedi, because if the Jedi's swinging lights, they right, you get a jetpack on. Got yeah. And so everything is built around that, and it's all just yeah, it's yeah, it's so fucking cool. I love it. <laughs> oh, brilliant! No, that's uh, and that's what I mean. Like these layers that are in yeah. there that aren't overt but are understood more by people that know more. Yeah, nerds is always going to add it. Yeah, <laughs> but nerds, it is like, giant it's like, fucking nerds. It's fan service in the best way. Yeah, because it's it's layering things in in to give you extra depth and to give like lay people just a normal understanding of it. Yeah. Um, I, one, I think one last thing we should probably talk about before we kind of wrap up mm. and it's like another bit of a, so there's two, basically we've talked, the reason we were talking about dark saber is because that's a cliffhanger you get at the end of this season is that, um, Moff Gideon has got the dark saber. Yeah. Um, which presumably he got because they talk about him being the one who sort of oversaw this great purge where they wiped out all Mandalorians. Um, and he must have claimed this, knowing what we know about it, he must have claimed it for himself as a, as a trophy to sort of like lord it over them. 
Yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll find out more about that. But don't they refer to him as like a trophy hunter in this, don't they? Um, I think, no, I think they basically, he says that, oh, he was, no, um, I think that he said no. Uh, so Mando says he must be Moff Gideon because he was the one who oversaw the, you know, the, the wipeout of Mandalore. And that's the only place where he could have found out what my name was. Uh, okay. And then he says Gideon. And then Cara Dune's like, no, 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 he was executed for war crimes. Yeah. And it's like, no, he wasn't. And then <laughs> that's another little nugget they put in there as well, where she goes, oh, no, if they, if they catch me, they'll set, they'll set me up to a mind flayer. <laughs> and, then, and like Cara Dune, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, like in Apollo Creed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his um, name. But... Yeah. Um, he yeah. goes, no, that, 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 those things don't exist. That was just wartime propaganda. I love it. That's a, that's a really interesting concept. Again, for them to go, oh, yeah, there was some horrible things the Empire did, but like, was there really, was there propaganda going around there? Was there like these nasty, like, or was it true? Did they do horrible, you know, was everything that they say about them true? Um, yeah. But sorry, yeah, getting back to the point, the other sort of dangling plot thread. So they basically, they've set off on this journey now to find um, Jedi, essentially. He gets, she gets the, he goes back to the armorer, um, the Mandalorian armorer, who's kind of like the sort of go, de facto sort of holder of all the uh, Mandalorian lore and stuff. And she says, right, your goal now is to reunite this thing with its people who are yeah. the Jedi, who are these warriors who, and then he's going, so you want me to go and hand him over to some enemy sorcerers? She goes, this is the way. And so, oh, okay. And it's like, well, what the, okay, what do we do then? So like it, going into season two, who's he going to, because no, at this point in the canon, the only Jedi that we know about that should be around is Luke. Right. So what does that mean? Well, okay. But so what does she know that we don't? No, no, not even that. Like, I don't think she knows that there is a, a Jedi out there. Like, but, uh, people don't know about it. Do you know what I mean? So, like, even Cara Dune, who's a rebel, she's never seen anything like that because there's one guy, basically. Right. At this, yeah. at this point in the canon, just after Return of the Jedi, there is one Jedi. Assuming this is before he establishes the academy where Ben goes and all that. Yeah. That he's it. Unless there's something. Unless they're gonna say, "Oh no," because there's other rumors that Ahsoka is gonna be in season two in live action. Yeah, well, hasn't she been cast already? Well, that, well, there was a rumor went out about it being um, Rosario Dawson, yeah. and then no one, no one's either confirmed nor deny it. And right. she made some comment about, "I'll be interested, you know, when that's confirmed or when I can talk about it or something like a bit ambiguous about whether it's true or not." Yeah. Um. So that might be happening. It might not be. Go ahead. But that could be a route they go down. Um. Which would be another sort of along the line of. Filoni continuing his story that he started in the animated series. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. I don't know where they're going with that. And then there's also a dangling thread of who was that on Tatooine. Oh, uh, yeah. Right at the very end. So at the very end of the episode, the, that Tatooine episode, they're hunting down an um, assassin played by Min Yar Wen. Yeah. Um, and she may or may not be dead. She got shot. I feel like you want more from Min Yaw Wen, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and she was great in the bit that she was in, but she was in like one episode and then done. And it's like, that was a bit disappointing. But then there's this little scene right at the very end of that episode where someone finds either her body or her 
and steps down off a speeder and you just see his legs. And all we know about him is that he wears spurs. Yeah. Or she or yeah, whoever wears spurs. There are is there a canonical character with spurs? There is. His name's Boba Fett. Oh. Yeah. So there's there's rumors now that people are saying, is it Boba Fett or the other option? Again, along the lines of bringing things back in from the animated series, is it Cad Bane? Right. Oh, I really like him. Yeah. I, I Personally, I would rather it be Cad Bane. Same. Because he's really cool. So Cad Bane, he's a, yeah, a um, blue-skinned alien character who's a um, bounty hunter in the Clone Wars series. Got an amazing voice um, and a really cool look. Um, and he's just a really cool character. So but one of the things that I like about Cad Bane is that he's unlike so many other Star Wars characters that have come before. He's not like some mustache-twirling villain. He's an absolute villain, yeah. like in any way, shape, or form. He's just absolutely just only in in it for the money. He's a true mercenary slash bounty hunter. He's absolutely ruthless in the way that he does things, and I just think it's really, really interesting to have someone of that's that is just bad, not evil, yeah. but is just bad. Just, that every I'm time you think, think about him, you're like. Yeah. No, this I'm just guy. Trying to think what you've seen now. So, have you seen the? I don't want to spoil anything. Have you seen the arc with him and Obi Wan spending a lot of time together? No, no. Right, I'll leave it at that. Okay, but that is a great. It's literally like a four episode arc, and you get a lot of Cad Bane, and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be great. But then I've also seen people say like people wanted Boba Fett to be in this because there's lots of like EU stuff about Boba Fett surviving after Return of the Jedi and crawling his way out of the. Um, Sarlacc pit, yeah. um, and it could be him, and that might be a thing. Like, it would make seeing, sense, like Mando on Mando. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of him being the villain and our Bando being the good guy, and then sort of, and it'll be like a, a true Mandalorian versus a, a pretender. That would be interesting. Yeah, if they're gonna get into that whole Mandalorian law and the dark saber and all that sort of stuff, then it would maybe it would make sense for. The Mandalor- like again and again, it's like a dual nature of the title. The title's called The Mandalorian. There are two now. Yeah. So that could work. Um, so I don't know. Don't know. You, but could cast, um, you could cast tomorrow Morrison and he'd be the right age. Have you seen um, uh, the kid who played? Yeah, Daniel, Daniel, Yo- Daniel Logan. Yeah, like he's um, going in hard for this. And it's like, yeah, I know. But, this guy's like been training his whole life to be Boba Fett. And you're like, Okay, he's not, <laughs> not. But at the same time, like it would be good. Like if yeah. he's got chops, then yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think it'd be really cool for it to be uh, Tamara Morrison. Um, for those of you who don't know, who who played um, Django Fett back in yeah. Attack of the Clones, and then also played all the clones because everything was based on here. And so Boba Fett is a clone. It makes sense. He'd be about the right age now because this is like you know thirty odd years later um, yeah. after after the. Um, Thing and that'll be a good. It just it links everything I mean, back. I think you know I mean? Morrison's in his like pushing sixty at least now. Well, that that's not what the film Aquaman would have me believe. <laughs> that but seamless yeah. digital de-aging. Oh, it's perfect, wasn't it? So smooth, so smooth, so silky. <laughs> um, anyway, I think we've rambled on enough about Star Wars lore and cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, bottom line is Mando's fucking brilliant. Mando's fucking brilliant, and this is what Star. This is 
the direction we'd like to see Star Wars go in. Yeah. Um, whilst they're trying to figure out what they're doing with the movies, let's just keep this coming. Um, and I'm really, really excited for season two for all the reasons we've said. And you hear little tidbits of it coming uh, about it coming out, like the casting stuff, but then also like Giancarlo Esposito's. There was some tweet you put out about how many lightsabers he's broken that day. Okay, cool. And it's like, who are you fighting? Yeah, because another one of the things is uh, anyway. No, we're gonna get we're gonna get too far into this. Like, we can start talking about Beskar and Mandalorian Iron another time. Like Beskar, yeah. Because yeah, well, this is because again, well, the point of we're starting to talk about a fictional metal. But again, like so, Beskar and the point of the Mandalorian armor, like I said before, is to fight Jedi. So the idea was lightsaber proof. Yeah, it's lightsaber proof to an extent. I think if they you, a direct like if someone stabbed you through it, you could stab. But if it was a glance, like a slash, yeah, or a glance and blow, it wouldn't come through. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, and, but, but then again, like he makes the point when he gets shot by the sniper, he's like, "I got hit by the. Yeah, I'm wearing the best guy, and at this range, best guy held up, which again yeah. implies that if she was like a point blank range, he'd probably be dead. Right." Um, but then the guy goes, I don't wear any best guard. Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking great, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we've been rambling and I'll do some editing around this. <laughs> <laughs> Make it seem like less of a nerd. Um, Never. So, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, check out Mandalorian um, and happy Star Wars Day. Yeah, happy Star Wars Day on May the 27th. And yeah, all is not lost. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. We're, Mando, he's here to prove that Star Wars has still got it, even if episode nine didn't. Yeah, that was my, I remember that was like the meme or something like, or thing that I put out was like the post of the um, Rise of Skywalker. Star Wars is dead. And then Mandalorian, long live Star Wars. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I felt about it at the time. And it's like, yeah, that's, Having rewatched the series now, I can confirm. Yeah, that is exactly that's. It stands up. It wasn't just hype. It was. It is genuinely really it's good. Brilliant. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. so good. Honestly, it's probably one of my favorite TV shows that I've seen in. A, well, a, a fucking long time. That's what I can say. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, so uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back. We've got some more. Obviously, a load of other stuff that we're going to be catching up on during yeah. the quarantine times. Um, so we'll be getting back to some movie reviews and stuff. Um, but if you can leave us like and all that kind of stuff um, on all the different social medias or wherever you've seen this link, let us know. Or, yeah, let us know uh, if you if you like like the TV side of things as well. Like this is new for us, so if you want yeah. us to do some sort of longer form stuff and talk about TV series, let us know. Like get us on socials, get us on email. Uh, if you know us in real life or have ever seen us around on oil rigs or what, whichever sort of fictional places that we live, let yeah. us know. And then we can sort of, we can work out some stuff that will be more suited around you from there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are, there are loads of different you know, opportunities for things to talk about in terms of TV shows, particularly like, you know, your, the more standalone um, or mini series. So like that's something that springs to mind for me straight away is uh, The Outsider, which was a, um, eight-part HBO series that was yeah. Stephen King, which would link in with all the Stephen King stuff we did last year, all the different movies. So that's, yeah, by all means. Don't, uh, we, but let us know. Well, I've just watched Devs, which is um, yeah. something that I really think that Dom should watch as well. I know, um, but I'm watching um, Westworld at the moment. I can't have too many. There's too many robots. I can't. I need to. Yeah. 
Devs isn't about robots. Isn't it? I can tell. I can tell you that. Oh, androids. I don't know. I'm not. They're not splitting nope. heads. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Okay. It's All right. something different. So yeah. Oh, and uh, don't anyone spoil it for Dom either. So okay. Right. Go away and watch I'm, it. It's on the list. It's on the never-ending list. <laughs> Caps list. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, any ideas for other episodes that you think that we should do, or things that we missed before that you want us to catch up on? Let us know. Um, yeah, anything. And yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Right. See you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye. May I offer you a libation in order <laughs> to, to celebrate the ending of our shared narrative? So who talks like that? Werner Herzog talks Werner like that. fucking Herzog, that's who. I, I swear, I don't think they even wrote anything for him. I they feel they like just put, so, they put in there, may I offer you a drink? And he's like, yeah. That was, that was the line, and he just spun everything off from that. <laughs> this is not what I'm going to say. Is the world more peaceful now or more chaotic? <laughs> I would like to see the baby. Oh, the, the baby's sleeping. We will all be very quiet. <laughs> That's the most sinister thing I've ever heard. <laughs>